my goodness, we've got guests. You know what that means. It's another Masterclass episode on Studio Class. Surprise, divas. We're back with a summer Masterclass episode with the brilliant Michelle Travato. I am so excited to share this episode with you. Michelle has sparked praise in Opera News, The New York Times, Washington Post, all sorts of places. She has this beautiful, lush soprano voice and these amazing dynamic characterizations. She has won prizes in the US, Canada, Europe, etc. And she also maintains a very active private studio. I wanted to mention one more thing that we didn't get a chance to talk about in the episode, but I really want you to know this about her is that Michelle also teaches at FMDG Music School, which is the only school in the US which is devoted completely to supporting the music and artistic lives, musical and artistic lives of students who are blind, have low vision or significant vision loss of some kind. And I know that that work is also very important to her. So I hope that you will join me in welcoming the one and only Michelle Travato. Wonderful. Oh my goodness, Michelle. I am so thrilled that you are here being a masterclass guest for studio class. We are kicking off a whole new season and you are the first masterclass of this. So I'm so thrilled. I hope that you Ooh. will just take a moment and give us the the introduction to Michelle Travato. <laughs> oh, I'm thrilled. Thank you so much for having me. I was so honored when you reached out to me. Um, and thank you for including me. I didn't realize I was starting the season. Yeah. Very exciting. Um, uh, I'm Michelle Travato. I am, am primarily an opera singer, soprano. Um, I also teach and I uh, teach all different styles of music. Uh, I tend to be best suited towards opera, so I keep other styles for fun, yes. um, but I do enjoy lots of music and uh, not simply opera. It's not my fun music. It's my work music, which brings me lots of joy, lots and lots of joy, but it's not my fun music. I love um, that. <laughs> and, um, and I uh, have been professional pretty much since about 2006. Um, I was thinking today and I remembered that I was paid to do a concert when I was like 16, but I don't think it counts, but you know, because I went to school and all that, but I was, I really just, I was like, oh yeah, I think I was paid for that. So, um, but I uh, have always done theater uh, and always sang since I was a tiny, tiny baby. Um, and uh, started off with piano lessons and then eventually went to conservatory. I went to the, what's called now the University of North Carolina School of the Arts. Um, only a bachelor's degree. Yeah. I did not yeah. go into student debt. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're a unicorn, Michelle. <laughs> oh my you know, it has its pluses and its minuses. And if you want to explore that later, we totally can um, because it's something I, um, I think is an important topic to broach. Um, but yes, I just, I got a bachelor's degree and then I moved straight to New York. I love it. Cause I, I will, I will say this. I remember saying to my mom, I'll be fine. I have like a thousand dollars. Okay. Which I, now... I want to get like a button that just says that to me. Like, I'll be fine. Right. I'll be fine. <laughs> I want to get a button that goes, eh, you're wrong. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> but you made um, it. I mean, you did. Like those thousand dollars did what they were supposed to do. <laughs> it. I wouldn't. I would recommend going about it in a slightly different way. But at the time, I felt like if I don't go now, yeah, I'll never go. Mm, that's if I get caught up in the rat race of working and trying to pay rent and I thought I'll never go I may as well go to New York and work and pay rent there and work with the best people that I can find Mm -hmm. um so my family uh I grew up on Long Island but my family lives in Williamsburg Virginia and so we moved there when I was uh ending high school which was like the best thing in the sense that I met my first real voice teacher there and she's the one who introduced me to opera and she's really the reason that I am an opera singer in a lot of ways because she was a true mentor we're talking two 90 minute lessons a week we're talking here's how to dress here's how to style your makeup and your hair and here are books to read and here are yes records to listen to and videos and eventually CDs and DVDs, um, you know, uh, everything to really inspire me. And she did. And I'm forever grateful for that. And so, um, so it was, but then it's not really a hub of classical music culture there. So I really needed, I knew I needed to be in New York. Um, And that's where I met my real long-term lifelong mentor named Carol Kirkpatrick, who unfortunately just passed away um, just before the new year. So um, for your loss that way. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, So having really like three main teachers in my life, um, my first voice teacher, who's named Basel, um, my college voice teacher, Marion Pratnicki, who was excellent. And I was so glad to have her. And, um, and then Carol, um, and now I'm sort of adrift, <laughs> uh, but had been taking too many lessons in the last few years and now I really want them. So, you know, it's been kind of an interesting process. Um, I've done a lot of different kinds of jobs. Yeah. Uh, I've had what I love. Somebody came up with the term correlating career. I've had a lot of those, yeah. but now I really primarily sing and teach and that's, that's full-time. And there's been periods where that's all I did and there were periods where it was like a temp where can I find so uh, (laughs) you know so that's kind of a weird rambling overview Uh, (laughs) but I love that you brought that up as well because we do we do really talk about those things like this is how a lot of people make our we all make our lives work in the ways that work for us and sometimes that's be where you need to be location wise sometimes that's what kinds of jobs are correlating careers that really fill you up and you make it possible to do what you do. So I right. love that you mentioned that because this is definitely a space where we talk about here's all the ways that you can make it happen. You know, all of the ways that work for you, not yes. like somebody else decided it's supposed to be this way. And magically that works for everyone. That's just not the case. Right. So you right. Just, you're like, this is a great example of you saying like, these are the ways that I made it work to to get to what I'm doing now and how I'm able to be a musician in the world. So yeah. Michelle, I had to ask you cuz I kind of start start all of our masterclass episodes by saying what is an intention that you're currently holding for yourself? So my current intention is really thinking about what it is that I want to say mm. um through music. So when I'm especially when I have 
the opportunity to plan um, what music is going to be programmed. And I'm encouraging my students in this way. What is it that you really want to put out in the world? And it doesn't have to be a politically charged message. It can be, I really want to explore uh, music. For me, a lot of times it's been music from Italy because my background is Italian. Excuse me. So a lot of times, and and then I also have, uh, my mom is half Polish, so I'm a quarter Polish. So I've delved a lot. Um, I, I need to go more into the Polish side of things, but I, um, I've delved a lot and taken inspiration from my heritage. Mm-hmm. That's one way I think to go. Yeah. I think sometimes we can be inspired by a poet. Mm-hmm. So I've done a number of songs. I'm, I'm thinking of the wrong name by Sarah Teasdale, yeah. um, based on poetry by Sarah Teasdale. Um, and so I'm encouraging my students to think about, is there a language, a poet? A time period? Um, is there a theme? Is there something that you want to express? And then we can find a song that's yeah. going to help you progress, let's say technically, if you want to put it that way, that can help you grow as both a singer and an artist at the same time. And then when they have, and when I have a, an emotional attachment mm-hmm. to the piece or to the words, because I always pick from words first um uh then I feel like we really bloom yeah you know Mm -hmm. so I that's that's one of my biggest intentions lately and then that also helps us to delve into underrepresented composers Mm -hmm. underrepresented poets um because a lot of times the things that we want to sing about are not so mainstream. Now I'm a little bit different maybe because Italian, but there's a lot yeah. that can be delved to into even with that theme, yeah. right? That isn't 24 time songs. <laughs> <laughs> it's like great 28, 26, things. however many there are now. Also let's explore. There's so much. <laughs> like, yeah. We can do so much. I rarely, rarely choose them for mm-hmm. my students because I think that um, not because they're bad. I think they're wonderful. Yeah. And the older I get, the more I appreciate them, if I'm honest. Yeah. But I do think that um, there's a huge wealth of repertoire out there. And um, and especially like some students, they feel more of a kinship with Spanish. So let's, similar vowels, hey, let's look into Spanish songs or let's look into um, the anthology that came out of like the female composer's version of the 24 Italian songs yeah. or hey this student's really into k-pop so let's find let's do a k-pop song and then let's also see what's available in Korean art song yeah. you know so it it starts to open up all these passageways and doorways that are so exciting for both me and for the student because yeah. I'm learning a lot I just start, talked to a new student last night who's going to be starting lessons with me on Saturday and she sent me a a Finnish version of a John Denver song. Amazing. I would never have been introduced to that. How cool. How cool. That's so neat. Michelle, I'm wondering, you know, if anybody's listening or, you know, watching who, who has felt like they have a very beginning sense of like where to look for music. Maybe they've only been given songs by their voice teacher in the past and now they're out of school and they're like, well, what, how do I even find repertoire? Would you have any places that you would recommend they go if they're kind of exploring on their own or, you know, other voice teachers who are listening and they're like, I really want to expand my knowledge. 
of where I can find repertoire and hopefully find things that my students will connect with, that I'll connect with as a musician, anything like that? I do it in a number of ways. One way is I love to look at recital programs, whether I go to the recital or look at programs that other people are doing online and then I'll watch their performance. And then I sort of like make notes of like, Ooh, yes, this one. Yeah. This one, this one, this one, love, love, love. I've been doing that since I was a teenager, just like putting a heart next to it in the physical program, you know, and making, you know, I keep a you know, if I'm out and about, I keep a running note, like in my notes on my phone, because otherwise I, I, I will forget it immediately. Um, uh, that's one way. Um, I think it's a great way to be introduced to it. And there's an immediacy to that. And people are posting tons of videos online right now. Yeah. So that's a great way to get started. If you just watch somebody's recital and see, like watch a friend or watch somebody you really admire watch one of their recitals. That's one way. There's a lot of great anthologies coming out that are coming out from classical vocal reprints. Um, and if you don't follow Glendower Jones or get it from Glendower on Facebook um, or classical, look up classical vocal reprints online, you probably are able to put a link for him. Oh, I, I mean, I have no I'll association. It, I'll put it in the show whoever. notes. <laughs> but he is the man. And so if you listen, there's anthologies of Japanese art songs, Korean art songs, um, African-American art songs, uh, uh, female, different kinds of female composers, um, Peruvian. I, you could just, you can really, and I think the anthologies, the beauty of those, they're not perfect, but what they can do is introduce you to a new composer. Yeah. And then you go, who else have they done, yeah. right? Yeah. That's a great way. And then the other way, as I started to say earlier, is text. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if I'm like, Hmm. Again, it goes back to what do you want to say? So there's um, there's the leaderarchive.net mm -hmm. and then there's Song Helix, which yeah. I haven't used as much. Yeah. Um, but those are great ways to look up text to a poem that you're very interested in. Or who has set things, like I said, one of my favorite um, poets that I've really enjoyed singing her poetry is Sarah Teasdale. Yeah. Um, who has set things by her and then you know let me find try and find some of these scores um or I'm really I want to do a spring concert and I want the theme to be spring or awakening or flowers or all of the above and I can find texts mm -hmm. that I relate to first and then it's like oh I've heard of Dupac yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. or oh, who knew that that you know uh amy beach well amy beach yeah. you haven't sung if you love to sing lyric music and you haven't sung something by amy beach so go for that it into your life yes yes <laughs> yes yes um you know so many female composers are under are underrepresented um and so many nationalities are underrepresented yeah. and i really a, a lot of my students are are of of different backgrounds and i really don't want them to feel that they only have to can only sing music by you know white men of yore <laughs> it's like that our tradition only supports this very like small sliver of people who write music it's so lot like it's so vast and you know there's so much room for all of us as vocalists to to take up all of this different repertoire and just mm -hmm. bring it out into the world a little bit farther. Yeah. Be that person who is a collaborator, even if the, the composer is, you know, long past or is currently living, like you can still be an advocate for that music, no matter what. 
Yes, absolutely. And I love to do new works as well. And I feel very lucky to have worked with a number of composers. I'm going to be working. Um, I'm working with a, a composer right now and doing a world premiere of a little set that he's done next week. So that I was I, wondering you know, if just... that connects to, because I was thinking about um, we, we come to take the crown. No, did I mess it up? Hold on. We come to take the throne. The throne, the throne. Oh so, yeah. <laughs> we come to take the throne. Would that be, is that a collection of, of different pieces or is that one piece? Would you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So it's a recital that I'm presenting next week with composer and music director Felix Gerard. Yeah. And um, we originally had, I've been planning for months for this to be with Rebecca Sachs. And unfortunately, she's unwell. So Joanna Pope, um, who, who is somebody I don't know personally, but she's jumping in. Um, and so for many, many years, I have been wanting to do a recital based on this or inspired by music of Mary Queen of Scots and Elizabeth I. Amazing. And yeah. their rivalry, as we sort of see in Donizetti's Maria Stuarda, uh -huh. that's what sort of started to give me the idea. And then um, there's, so we're doing parts of that. Mm -hmm. There's a fabulous confrontation scene that is really baller. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> um, and, and um, so then we can branch out from there. And so we're presenting Schumann, late Schumann wrote, or Schumann in his later years, yeah. wrote um, uh, um, a set based on Mary Stewart's writings. Yeah. And some of them are her writings to Elizabeth. And so um, we're presenting those in a unique way. And then that inspired Felix and this fabulous wordsmith, B. Goodwin, yeah. to... Um, to write a couple of um, sets of songs. So there's going to be, the one that I'm doing um, is called Venetian Ceruz. Mm -hmm. And that, I know it's different. And what it is, is in this case, I get to be from Elizabeth's perspective. Whereas in the Maria Suarda scenes, I'll be doing Maria. So, or Mary, Queen of Scots. So we're gonna sort of switch at certain points and get to be from the other sister. They call each other sister. Wow, yeah, uh-huh. That's right amazing. even though they're cousins yeah. it's very interesting um they always call each other's sister and they're going after the same throne right mm -hmm. so um so this is uh, a two song set that b and felix wrote and it's based on the mixture that elizabeth the first created for her makeup to cover the white makeup that we know and we've seen yeah. in movies but also in in later um artwork of, yeah. of elizabeth famously this super white makeup with like the flushed pink cheeks and the like very defined lip yeah. um and like no eyebrows right yeah um <laughs> but it's the mixture of lead and myrrh and um things that were actually and mercury wow. and things that were actually poisoning her i've been right. doing a lot of research yeah. And B did a lot of research in in her um, before she wrote the yeah. text, um, and it's like one of her like favorite periods. Yeah. So it was like perfect. Yeah, she really That's got excited. So and then we're going to be doing another. Um, Joanna will be presenting Felix's new song called or song cycle called Eclipse, and then um, I believe it's called the Lament of Queen Mary. And then we're also doing a similar 
song by Elgar. Yeah. So, uh, and then there's going to be some other things on the program. So it's, we're, and we could even expand it further, but this is Mm -hmm. kind of what we're doing now. And then we'll Mm -hmm. see how we want to, if we want to continue to sort of evolve this program, because I don't, I would rather it not be a one and done. I think it's um, such an interesting and fascinating women of history. Yes, you know, absolutely. Well, I'm excited that I love the programming that you're, you're doing for this you know, bringing together all of these kind of different musical time periods, as well as mm-hmm. still telling this, this full story. It's so interesting. Yes. In multiple say, languages. Yeah. Different languages, different styles, all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about that collaborative process, because you're not only are you, you know, kind of working with other musicians and you're working with, you know, composer and you're working with a librettist and you're, were you bringing this idea to them originally, or was this something that you all kind of came together and decided, let's do this? Uh, it came together organically originally with Rebecca, yeah. um, who we thought that our voices would go together really well. And so we were originally sort of thinking, do we want to do things around mm-hmm. Anna Bolena and Anne Boleyn? Because we thought mm-hmm. like, confrontation scene yes <laughs> <laughs> and so both of these operas have these really great scenes and um I think that it was Felix that got really excited about the Schumann yeah. um and so that sort of let us go like okay let's go more towards Mary Stewart and Elizabeth yeah. for this one yeah. um there's also a wealth of other repertoire that yeah. we could bring in but um I think that would again we sort of wanted to have a structure for it and then to see how it grows over time. Yeah. Um, but I loved that it immediately inspired Felix to write several songs. And we're also going to present a few of his um, previous works that seem to suit these characters very well. Yeah. Yeah. I love um, that. Yeah. And, and Felix, um, like one of the songs has a galliard in it, which is like an old dance. Yeah. So he, he has such a wealth of knowledge of music from different time periods that he then modernizes mm-hmm. and gives an harmonic sophistication to and B um is such so obsessed with that time period as I am um so it really was just like oh we could do this and then we could do this and we had to sort of like we're like rein it in folks yeah. you know which is the best that's the yeah. best place to be in right you know <laughs> When yeah there's so a, much, there's, a, there's like the brainstorming can just go go on and on and you're like okay but we're gonna do this it's gonna happen and then we can keep building from there you know we could do this yes. again we could do it in a different way all of that kind yes. of stuff okay there's another us- opera that we really want to do that's yeah. in french um that has a confrontation scene where we would have to switch yeah because i'm a soprano and she's a mezzo you know it's already a little iffy for Maria's water depends on what version you're using but so we would but we 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 would switch because these are two they're clearly delineated this way um and uh we just it needs a lot of work as yeah. far as like making a readable score and like yeah. making sure that <clears throat> um it's legible and translatable and all of this kind of stuff and we just didn't quite have the hours to put into that but that's something that we would like to be able to expand into at some point because that would make for really yeah to keep going with it and what else could we add and we can sort of rearrange it in different ways yeah okay give us the the deets the time date venue all that good yeah it is next 
Friday, which is July 29th at 7 p.m. at St. John's in the Village in New York City. So it's a great space to sing in. I have a great piano. Um, it's very comfortable. It should be air conditioned. Um, we have very an important event right now. Bright. <laughs> <laughs> we have an Eventbrite um, link to buy tickets, or I think you can get them at the door. Um, but yeah, it's uh, that's when that's coming. It's coming up soon. Oh, I love it! I love it. So one of the other questions that I really love to ask. And I think that, especially as a teacher, you do this kind of all the time, right? What is a technical skill that you love to teach or pass on to other to other vocalists? Well, there's a lot. Um, and, <laughs> You're and like, I do this all the time. <laughs> no, no, no. But it's uh, but where I start. Okay, first of all, caveat, right? Uh, there are many different approaches to singing and yes. lots of them are right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, sometimes I hesitate to put out there my own philosophies because there's always going to be somebody that disagrees. Right. However, I think with time to explain certain things, you know, hopefully yeah. somebody can see where I'm going, at least see my pathway and respect it. That's what I ask. Yeah. Um because it doesn't come from nowhere. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for me and where I start and where I feel like my own personal ground broke for my own technique to be where it is today. Um, it starts for me with an all vowel and a lot of people would go a different direction. And that's fine. That's fine. But to me, it's the neutral vowel. It's a neutral, neutral tongue position. Mm -hmm. um, and so the first thing that I do with students is work on finding um, the best, most neutral all vowel for that student. And we um, use usually one of two words or phrases to help us. Yeah. So one of them, depending on where you're from and where you live, <laughs> Your it regional works because there's different <laughs> accents, right? For some people, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. Not or, not or, not that closed and not ah, right? Mm -hmm. But right, right, right smack in the middle of that awesome mm -hmm. bell. Oh, oh, oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the second one, if that doesn't work, this and and hopefully I'll come up with a third one day. But so far, <laughs> these two are working. Um, <laughs> um, it, and most people know how to pronounce this correctly, which is uh, brings us straight into Latin, which is Ave Maria. Mm -hmm. So that Ave vowel, yeah, Ave, yeah? awesome. They're very, 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 very close. Yeah. yeah, and it kind of neutralizes a lot of things, and um, and then we work on something that I distilled down and just put names to that was the technique that Carol taught me, mm -hmm. um, which is I call four steps to onset. So oh. onset being, <laughs> I just I feel like when we have, especially for for inexperienced students because it can be any age you know I really teach students I've I've taught students from like 10 to like 80 something yeah. so you know it really depends on 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 the level that we're at and but I I firmly believe that having a consistent process mm -hmm. to fall back on to feel like you have your 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 feet firmly planted in the ground to feel that you have a grounding to your technique to yeah. feel like if I don't know what to do here is something I can always remember 
I can remember that vowel and I can remember these four steps to onset. Onset being the moment when we start making sound for a musical phrase. Mm -hmm. Okay. So do you want to hear what they are? Yeah. yeah okay. Totally. Again, yeah. <laughs> probably going to be very controversial for some people. That's okay. This is a safe space for us to talk about the things that help us make the sounds like that we yes. want to make. So I'm here yeah. for it. Let's do this. <laughs> so step one, we think. Got it. Think. Aha. Step one, we have to think. We've sort of, it's a, it's a cheerleading step, right? We're like, you got this. That's what, that's a big part of it. It's also like, what is this phrase and what do I need to accomplish within yeah. it? Yeah. Right. And then, um, so the, like there's, it's, it's, you know, there's multiple parts to that step, mm -hmm. but you really want to like set yourself up mentally for success. And then step two, release to the space in which you want to sing. Mm -hmm. So releasing your physical space into basically feeling off. Mm -hmm. Right. So I yeah. thought about, Oh, I need to do, let's say we're just singing an off phrase for the moment. I've thought about, okay, my phrase is one, two, three, two, one. Maybe do re mi re do, right? I'm I want that to be legato. I want that to be connected. I want it to feel like one long phrase instead of five separate notes. Yeah. These different things, yeah, it doesn't always have to take as much time as I'm taking to talk about it right now. Here are my goals. Yeah. Goals and cheerleading. Great. And then we want to release to that space. So we feel that all space. Then you're ready to go. You breathe into that space and then you breathe back out on pitch. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. that. Of course, there are more details to all of these steps, right? But if I can always go, think, release, breathe, sing. Yep. Yeah. And I can firmly attest that when we're on stage, we do not have time to think about how we're going to breathe. Mm -mm. So if we've planned it and we've created a healthy muscle memory for that, however breathing is for you, Maybe it isn't exactly these steps. Maybe you work on nose breathing. Maybe you work on breathing in a different way. That's fine. Yeah. But if you can do it in a, in a way that you can practice and consistently and develop a healthy muscle memory for yourself, it will save you on stage more times than you can count. Absolutely. Doesn't say that I never do nose breaths. Yeah. When there's incense, I need to breathe through my nose because otherwise it goes straight into my throat. When there's <laughs> bugs flying around, sometimes I'm afraid. <laughs> sometimes we have right to do in. what we have to do in the moment, right? Yeah, but of course. Um, for me, that sets me up for success. So I'm going to think. I'm going to feel my all space. I'm going to mm -hmm. breathe into that space. Oh. And I've got my phrase all ready to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Oh, Whatever okay. it is. Yeah. So that's um. That's where I start. I love that's it. where that's where I started myself, and that's where I start with fresh students for me. Yeah. Um, I we start with small intervals, and we learn a couple of vocalizes on on ah and on our I call them Latin vowels instead of Italian vowels because yeah. we're doing the open versions yeah. right. Yeah. So we want because we can always get to a and o later because yeah. yeah. they're in the middle somewhere. But if we say Italian vowels, and that's confusing for some people, right? Yeah. So I say Latin vowels because, well, Church Latin or Roman Latin, it's always open. Right. 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 So, um, so we have our five Latin vowels. So we practice those. We start adding in consonants. Yeah. Yep. To practice the coordination of vowel to vowel and then adding in consonants or consonant clusters. Yeah, I love it. Right? That. And mm -hmm. then we learn every song on off first. Yes. 
Yeah. And a lot of times then the vowels of the words. Yeah. And then we can add the consonants in because, whoa, there's like a whole correlation between what we're doing in our vocalises is straight into the piece. It's not like vocalises and warm-ups are one thing. Right. And right. then when we sing a piece of music, it's another thing. Right. Right. They have to go together. It really helps me and the student to see how the work that we do in the vocalises goes straight into the song. Right. So the vocalises, I always set up in a way to sort of prepare for the challenges of the song. If the song is leapy, we got to do leapy. If mm -hmm. the song is slow and legato, we got to do slow and legato. If the song has lots of fioritura, then we have to do lots of fioritura, yes. right? Exactly. That's what we do. Exactly. We set ourselves up for success with vocalises. That's what they're there for. Yeah. Yes, yeah. to warm us up, but also to practice the skills that are going to make our song successful. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I was always telling my students, when I was teaching my voice studio that I, that I was like, you can think of these as warm-ups, but I'd really prefer you to think about them as technical exercises because we're creating neural pathways that you can rely on while you're performing, while you're doing. Absolutely. <laughs> right? so I was like, I don't want you to think that these are like separate things. I want you to realize yes. you're kind of like laying this foundation and then your repertoire just goes right with that, right? Right. <laughs> and they were like, because if you can't sing oh. Omiya Babino Caro or whatever, right. insert the blank here, right. um, fill in the blank here. If you can't sing it legato on awe, then the chances of you singing it legato with words are pretty small. Right. Right. And just kind of build your own process. Yes. I, I love that. And then you and I have a very similar feeling about, I, I, when um, I started to think about like breathing in on the vowel and like inhaling mm -hmm. on the vowel was a very helpful thing for me as well. Just, and you were saying kind of open into that space, but I, yeah. and my version of that was just like, oh, those aren't like, set. I can just breathe into that, what I'm going to resonate into right after that. So I was like, uh, oh, right. right. like come together a little bit more. You're like, yeah. oh, it's not, oh, sorry, as I'm not knocking things down. Uh, it's not, these are not so many separate things. And so it's mm -hmm. kind of like with your four-step process, I really like that about, they all really become this one process. Here's a couple of things that you're moving through very quickly as you're doing it in the practice studio or in your, your practice space that you start to get so accustomed to that, that it becomes, you know, that becomes your technique. That becomes what yes. you do. You're so set up for success. Because mm -hmm. you've done those, those steps at the beginning to be, you know, I can do yeah. this. This is what I'm going to do. Here are my goals. And then like physically, am I ready to do this? Now go like that kind of thing. Exactly. So and the helpful. times where I've rushed the process, yeah. I've always regretted it. I tell yeah. my students all the time, I'm going to be performing Sempre Libera in two weeks. And I have to start from scratch with that aria every time I have to perform it because I learned it on the fly. We're talking, I don't know, over 10 years ago, 12, 13 years ago, something, yeah. um, maybe 15, who knows? I learned it on the fly and I did not learn it with this process. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I just, mm -hmm. I just rushed it. I'd heard it a million times. I thought that was enough. And um, the muscle memory, even though I've performed it a number of times since then, uh -huh. Uh -huh. always, most of it still defaults it's getting better actually when I was like brushing it up for this time I was like okay this is not as bad it's slowly it's slowly not reverting all the way back to right. the year dot it's slowly 
has some healthier muscle memory in there. But muscle memory is so strong. Yes. Unbelievably strong. It's like, why am I, why, 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 why? Do you know, you're just sort of going through like, why is this even happening? It feels like, (laughs) who is this person? What are these sounds coming out of my body? It starts, it's really disconcerting. Um, So I've I've always regretted it when I haven't taken the time. Mm -hmm. And it is, it's time. Yeah. Yeah. Not a ton of time. In a lot of ways, it saves you time, especially for things that are stroking. Yes. It will save you a lot of times. And a lot of musical figures are repeated in a lot of songs and arias, yeah. right? So if, especially for a strophic piece, especially for a piece with verses, if you learn it on off first, that will help you through every verse. Whereas if you only learn it on the words of the first verse, then you, every verse after that is going to it feels like it throws you off track it's like because like, <laughs> wrong this things resonate it. in different ways on different vowels and different consonants and <laughs> it can really throw you off right yeah totally so, oh my goodness yeah learn it on awe learn it really well on awe and then you're actually really helping yourself yeah in the it's, it's actually a, in the long run it's a faster process well you're reminding me of a piece of advice that I heard, you know, way, way back when, where somebody was like, if you would like to sing a role for your career, this, this happens, people like sing, this is, you know, my career does a lot of different things all the time. So it'd be amazing if I got to sing things that many times. But if you are working in a space where you get to do a role season after season, and you become well known for it, then the advice was, if you would like to do something like that, put the time in at the beginning because you do not want to have to go back because your body will remember it from that first time. And if mm-hmm. it wasn't really right, it wasn't really the right fit at that point. And you were like, no, no, I'm, I, I can do this now, or it's fine. I'll just rush it or whatever. And then every year you're going to pay for that down the line. And I was yep. like, Oh, so now yes. I'm like, I get that. I get that. But at the time, I think I was like, you know, yeah we have a little bit of a hubristic attitude sometimes where we're right. like i'll be fine right. that's the button i'll be fine, <laughs> fine. and like you oh, know absolutely. sometimes like you just yeah i refuse i will never sing sempre libra i did it in one audition yeah and i will never do it again that it went fine but i had just performed it and so that and i it wasn't in my book yeah. but it was one of those where it was like for an agent and they're like, I see you just performed Violetta. Can you do this? And I was like, okay, yeah. I have to score right here. And I was like, oh. <laughs> fine. Oh, you're like, oh, wow. You really um, came prepared for so that. <laughs> it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad, but I will never sing Semperi because I will never feel comfortable. I will never, like, I have to do those cadenzas every single day for at least two weeks before I feel like I'm not going to splat. Right, right. Well, and just because I, I used so... to fling my voice at the notes instead of having, you know, a t- I learned it, it like here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Such a good point though, where it's like, sometimes there are things in your rep that you are like, well, of course I, I can nail it on stage and it's just not the right piece for my audition book. You know, it's not the right piece oh, yeah. to in that space. And I think that's an important part too, as, as you're as you're figuring out what you like to do, you're like, these are the pieces that like I can, I can do in any audition setting. It's going to be great no matter what. And they show that I can do this so right. that I can show like, of course you can hire me for this, this role, this gig, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. that's, a good, that's a really good point. 
Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Michelle, we're kind of talking a little bit about some building blocks type things. And it really made me think about this other thing that I like to ask, which has to do with micro actions. I've written a lot, or I talk a lot about this on the podcast. And I think of micro actions are those like smallest unit of action that you can do to kind of further your career. So my example that I always turn to is a micro action is not write the grant because there's like 70 things that go into a grant, right? The micro action is write the narrative for the grant, right? That's like one thing, one aspect. I'm wondering if you feel like you have a micro action that you would share with us that you feel like has moved your career in the direction that you wanted it to go. Hey there, divas. Real quick thing before we get back to the rest of this episode. Do you love Studio Class? You can support it now by joining the Sybaritic Camerata on Patreon. It's just at patreon.com slash mezzoenen, M-E-Z-Z-O-I-H-N-E-N. For $10 a month, you can join the listening circle where you get access to bonus episodes, you can make listener requests, And for $20 a month, you can become a Masterclass Scholar. Do you ever wish you could ask our Masterclass episode guests a question? Here's your chance. As a Masterclass Scholar, you're invited to the recording of the Masterclass episodes, and you get to ask your questions during an exclusive Q&A after the taping. So come on over, check it out, patreon.com slash mezzoenen. And now we're back to the episode. Mine might sound like a no duh, but um, one of the best things that my voice teacher in college, Marion Pratnicki, one of the best things that she did was she in a, was the kind of mentor who would also tell you real life advice mm-hmm. because she was still at the time, she was still performing and singing. And it's one of the reasons, just as a side note, that I want to keep singing and performing besides how much I love it but also I think it's a benefit for my students as well Mm -hmm. because I'm still learning and I can bring what I'm still learning and 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 discovering about myself and about life and about the business and all that I can bring that to them Mm -hmm. so one of the bits of the things that she told me early on was be nice to everyone Mm -hmm. the person at the door the stage manager the dresser the even if they're not nice to you be nice to everyone because everybody talks yeah yeah and it's such a small thing talk about a micro action it's a small thing with really big implications Mm -hmm. I think you know and there's no reason not to be yeah right (laughs) but you know I remember you know going to audition for Sarasota and then finding out afterwards, oh, that was Francesca Macbeth at the desk. And that is the, you know, artistic director's daughter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's Victor Duranzi's daughter. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The pianist who isn't great at playing your rep yet mm-hmm. when you're in a young program, he's probably going to be running an opera company someday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That happens a lot. Right, Megan? Right, right. That pianist where you're like, 10 years ago, he could play barely play Mozart. And now not only are they a fantastic musician because they've developed their skills too. They were babies just like we were. We forget that sometimes. Um, you know, now they're associate artistic 
administrator for Curtis Institute or whatever it is, yeah. or for, um, you know, uh, I did the Chautauqua Institute and Daniel Biaggi, I think he did only one or two summers there. And then Daniel Biaggi is like, was with Palm Beach for a number of years. And, you know, um, now he's like, I don't know what he's doing besides adjudicating, adjudicating competitions all over the world, you know? <laughs> Oh, that. <laughs> oh, well, you know, just that. I'm sure he has many other irons in the fire as well. I should, I should know the answer to that better. But it's true. Yeah, it's true. Be nice to everyone. Oh yeah. And I get a lot of work from people who know me. Yep. Yeah. That's how a lot of work comes through word of mouth. Yep. Um, one of the funkiest things that I found personally about this business is that the things that I thought we're going to be blow my career up mm -hmm. a lot of times fizzled and mm -hmm. sometimes the smallest things that I did random workshop random you know favor kind of a gig yep. you know yep. resulted in things I could never have dreamed of yeah in the long run so yep absolutely yeah I often say that uh music is music is a referral business and that's not a bad thing and part of that is just be the kind of person that other people want to work with you know like you you want people that you like to work with so be that person as well so I love that you shared that here because that that's just and it's not it's not be fake nice to people it's absolutely just genuinely show up mm -hmm. and and be be the person you most want to be in that situation, which is probably you would think about yourself as being, you know, friendly, caring, kind, like hopefully <laughs> like those things. So, so I love that. I love that. So when we think about, I don't know, being, being the person you want to be, and this kind of makes me think about like wishes and like wish lists. And so I'm curious if you have anything repertoire wise that fits into your wish list, like what's What's something? And also, I know that you have another concert coming up, so that might be part of this. But, but if you have kind of like, oh, this is my wish list stuff. Uh, so the three Donizetti queens is a big wish list. Yeah. So, and I've 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 done Anna Bolena in concert, but it was it's been a while, and um, I had sort of done a reading of Maria Estuarda, so now I'm glad that I'm sort of revisiting her. Um, Roberto Devereaux, I think is still a little bit of a ways down the road for me, which is fine, yeah. you know, still a few more years. Um, but, uh, I've, I've always felt like my voice really suits the way that Donizetti writes for the voice. Mm -hmm. Um, so as I've grown, um, from Anorina and Anadina yep. and then into <clears throat> some of his more full repertoire, yeah. um it always seems to fit so that's really great I'm hoping then that will branch out into a little bit more Verdi mm -hmm. um so on this concert that I'm doing on August 4th mm -hmm. there will be some other Donizetti I'm singing Oluci di Quest'anima oh my goodness yes yes which is really fun it's one of my it's one of my party pieces because it's it's like so sparkling, you know, yes. and I yes. don't, you, I've never gotten a chance to do it with the recit with orchestra. So I'm, we're doing the whole thing with the recit. Ooh, and then fun. they just as said, just ask for Sempre Libera. So there's the, ver some of the Verdi, <laughs> but I think I'd like to branch 
out a little bit more. I think my voice is like heading towards the Requiem with the right conductor in the right space, in the right orchestra, the right circumstances. Um, hopefully things like Hernani and Leonora and Trovatore and I, th there's there's elements of my voice that are going that direction. The other two things that I'm performing on that concert, which will be at Marcus Garvey Park, mm -hmm. which is in Harlem in New York City. Mm -hmm. um, it's gonna be with orchestra. Again, it's my friend Courtney, um, Courtney Carey, who um, we've sung together for years. He's a wonderful baritone. Mm -hmm. um, and he's been conducting and composing for oh. years and he invited me to join him for this concert. So I'm really, really, Amazing. really excited. You know, we've known each other for maybe close to 10 years now. So, wow. um, yeah. yeah this is so called, like Courtney's stars of tomorrow. Stars of tomorrow. Yes. 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 Stars of today, honey. That's what, that's what's up. Right. Yes. Because <laughs> Noah Stewart is on the concert. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about a star. Yeah. I was like, what? Hi. <laughs> yeah. He, so he's going to join for the Alfredo part. So I can just, Ooh. you have to stick with him for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then we're doing, I'm doing the Ned Da Silvio duet from Pagliacci mm. with Brian Murray. Nice. Um, who I haven't met in person yet, but I'm really excited. And um, another tenor named Benjamin Ruiz will be yeah. singing. Um, he's doing some Mozart. And then I'm doing a Mozart. I'm doing four things. So it was the Traviata, Oluce, um, the Pagliacci, and Porgiamor. Nice. Wow. Yeah. I mean, a real easy sing for you that night. Just, just nothing. <laughs> like yeah. I I, I might have to make some, I ha, I'm trying it really hard to think about the order of things in mm -hmm. the smartest way possible. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> I love help. that. That will help. And also, yeah. Um, yeah. Making sure that, you know, <laughs> that I don't have to like for the, the other concert that I'm not doing the aria right back to back with the confrontation scene, things like that. When you have a little bit of a say yeah. to go like, can I, can we just, just give me a little bit more time in between those things or yeah. do I have to do that one first is there a way that I could sort of warm up to that aka Traviata um so Traviata Traviata <laughs> <laughs> I would kind of like to either have a very easy singer after that or to yeah. kind of have it be this the, you know I've done the role but you get a break yeah. you know yeah. you get a break after that and one of the things that I love about Verdi is that he knows how to set up really hard arias. Mm -hmm. So one of the things when I'm asked to do caranome, I usually say that I would prefer to do it only if I get to sing something big beforehand. Because in the opera, she sings two huge duets. Yeah. Leading yeah. into it. So you're so warmed up. Mm -hmm. Whereas Amor, she's that's the first thing she sings in the opera and you're not warmed up at all. Yep. Right? So you it, it and it's not that it's it's not the worst, but there's something about Porgiamor that like you have to, you just need to feel really ready to go. Mm -hmm. You have to just jump right in. Yep. And so it's just, a, it's just a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing that you wouldn't think it would be an issue, but there's something about it that always feels like a little shaky, yeah. you know, and yeah. you have to really steady yourself and just like sort of try to put yourself into the countess at least what I've done in the past is like try and think about what the countess has been doing mm -hmm. throughout the whole first act yeah. so that she so I know yeah. you know like she's still she's been she's been doing she's been living her life 
you know and it's not that she just like woke up and was like let me sing a sad song you know <laughs> like you know like no she's she's you know she's sad but she's energized she's yeah. feeling things she's been having a whole day before yeah. this so that tends to help um I think I went off topic but no, no, this is great well and it made me think about how I love that you mentioned when we have we have a little bit more control sometimes than we think that we do and when it comes to programming things this is a great way to advocate for yourself as a vocalist the singer is to think about okay well do I need something do I need something before this if it's a selections kind of concert it's okay to talk through that with the director or somebody and say like you know here's a great way oh actually if we do the duet here and then this aria happens after that you're going to get the best kind of performance. And I think more, especially like maybe um, less experienced singers can kind of take that into their practice time as well. Mm -hmm. They can think about, okay, well, what does it feel like if I've already been singing for 45 minutes and then I try to do this piece? Should it be earlier in the program? Should it mm -hmm. be sandwiched between two other things? And I, so not only do we want to think about those things thematically you know if that's important to the arc of your of your recital or program but also thinking about where is the voice in this so you know it's uh, sometimes I, I even just technically you can kind of feel like oh well my high notes are like going to be more sparkling if they're over here in this I've already been doing stuff going up into that right right less like I as a as particularly me as a vocalist, like I definitely don't want my range to start, uh, like my tessitura to start high and get lower as I go. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, no, no, the other way is always better. <laughs> like, yes, yes. So. And knowing, knowing yourself, and if you're not sure, sort of test it out at home, yep. you know, or test, get, get with a really great pianist and just sort of, okay, I'm going to try it in this order. Yeah. You know, you know, you're going to, and give yourself time back to back. I think that's something that we sometimes don't do in in coachings or whatever because we're like I want to use every second no part of that time is to to take a pause yep. yeah? yeah just even if it's for two or three minutes take a sip of water stretch and then go because you will have that time most of the time right or if you don't and you're doing an opera where you don't have time yeah. you have to practice that too exactly. right so exactly. so don't under don't underestimate the benefit of really having done what you feel is going to be your biggest challenges before you ever step into a rehearsal Absolutely. try and really work it out with a coach yeah. you know or repetiteur because it you your confidence and your feeling of being grounded mm -hmm. will just it, it will really change things for you and you'll mm -hmm. you want to work out those things when you're not surrounded by other people yeah you know and you have those first maybe, you know any any like adrenaline that comes through the body when you're first like around with other people in rehearsals and you're like not then don't want it to show mm -hmm. up there <laughs> no I don't want to I don't want to crash and burn in front of Noah Stewart yeah <laughs> which you absolutely <laughs> won't <laughs> I hope not I gotta keep practicing um, the only the other thing about repertoire uh, that I forgot that I just really want to say is I love new music. Yes. Like my voice lends itself to certain kinds of new music, not all of it, because there's such a, and that's one of the things I love about new music is that there's a huge array of styles that are out there. If you're a composer and you like a lyrics piano, hit me up because I really love 
um, supporting composers and bringing new music out there. Or if you're like, hey, maybe you have a student that would be great for this. I'd love to see music that you think would be great for, um, you know, singers who are maybe a little bit less experienced yeah. um, of different ages. So Watch out, Michelle, please. on this podcast, you're going to get, you're going to get a lot of emails now. <laughs> like, Yay! Well, you, I mean, you're so amazing at that. <laughs> well, I was going to say composers. Did you hear her? <laughs> like, uh, watch out. <laughs> so I love I'm not that. bad at it. <laughs> I, Michelle, I deeply believe that curiosity is a superpower. I really think that this helps us just kind of grow and transform as people. And I'm wondering if there's anything that you're currently curious about. Um, what I, so I, was, I was thinking about this today. And one of the things that I started doing, I started in theater. Yeah. And I would really like to do more dramatic work, not only of my own, but to work with other people. It's not something I get asked to do often, but I started doing like Shakespeare festivals and, you know, a lot of, I did all plays in college before I went to conservatory. Cause I, I did two years at a um, liberal arts school first. And so um, there weren't any operatic opportunities. There weren't even really much other musical opportunities at all. So I was like, get me on stage for anything I can be in, you know, and it, it helped me and I just love it. And it's something that I really, right before the pandemic, I was like something I was starting to work towards. And then, you know, we know what happened. So it's, it's definitely, um, I just, I would really love to do straight theater as well. Um, because, uh, as much, I, I mean, I, I love to do it all. Yeah. I love to, to present fully formed characters yeah. and, um, you know, it doesn't always have to be set to music, yeah. you know, so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm great with it not being set to music and, um, and I love comedy. And so, um, there's not a huge amount of comedic roles for my voice type, especially as it fills out. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I feel. I mean, I've done a lot of Cassandras and Bertas, and I've done Clorindas, and I've done so. I've done a like a pretty much all of them that I can do. Right, right. (laughs) But I'm not so Ina Etta anymore vocally, um, which is fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, uh, yeah, I think that if I want to continue to do comedy, that it probably would have to go more into straight theater. So, I get that. Or or d- more new music composers don't be afraid to write funny things we like that too <laughs> i love funny i love funny songs they're the hardest yes that's yeah and i think that's why that's you know we don't thing. we don't Comedy always is get the them. hardest thing to do absolutely because it has to be so specific mm-hmm. this is so important it has to be especially if it's in a foreign language it has to be specific. Yeah. Um, and that's something I would really like, I, I wish I had more time to work on with my vocal students. Like, it's like, how, uh, how much can we fit into this time? Ah, yeah. you know, um, because um, that specificity is what makes comedy, the timing and specificity, yeah. right? Without yeah. it, it's not funny. Exactly. Right. And then it just kind of like falls flat and people are right. like, oh, okay. Which means the music and the rhythm and the intention has to be so clear on your insides yeah. in here and in here. Yep. It has to be so 
dead on. Yeah. Otherwise you can't do it. So it really comedy is the hardest thing to do. Yep. Yep. Um, in my opinion. Well, I like that, but your, your kind of advice in that area, which is making it specific, really understanding it in your head, in your heart, in your body, right. Mm -hmm. And making it intentional and specific and making sure that your like your timing is so good. Like that's really what you're going for. So those are things that we can practice, right? It's not just magic. It's not, it's not just like, oh, maybe right. it happens. It's things that you can practice. You can get better at it. So it's right yeah. there. But here are a couple of things to like, really, if you're thinking, wow, I really want this to hit, yeah. kind of go back to those. Like those are right. such great points. That's a really good thing that you just said, Megan, which is to find a few. So, mm -hmm. and, and in general, that's great advice. So whether you're thinking about, um, ornamentation in music whether you're thinking about finding specific moments that you want to bring out of a song or an aria whether start with a few get them really strong and then build outward from there yeah. don't try to do it all at once yeah you know what i mean really find special moments whether we're talking about comedy or not find those special things that you need to bring out because that's also going to be more interesting and more musical, yeah. right? We can't bring out every syllable, every consonant, right. every part of every phrase. We have to know the special moments of each musical phrase, right? Oh, we that. have to know yeah. the special moments of each scene. Mm -hmm. We have to know the special moments of each opera. So start small, find a few, and then keep searching. Yeah. Keep searching, build it up slowly. And that feels much more consumable than like, oh, let's find the timing. I got to do something here. I got to do something here. How do you do yeah. That actually is worse. Really figure out what your sentences are. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. what I find a lot. I was just working with a student um, on comescolio, right? Mm -hmm. And that big, mm -hmm. big recit. Where are your punctuation marks? And where, that is, there's a, some really long sentences in these recits, yep. right? And that intention has to lead from the beginning of that sentence all the way to the end. Right? And all of a sudden, then it all starts to make sense. Yeah. But when it's, nah, 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 if it's too broken up, it doesn't make sense. And if it's too mushed together, it doesn't make sense. Right. So you've got to find the balance, really pay attention. Yeah. People will talk about syntax. Uh, I don't think we need such like. Yeah. You don't have deep to make it words, rigid right? Yeah. Right. Think about it. Think, figure out your sentences. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, Michelle. Okay. Well, speaking of special moments, this has been a very special moment. So I, I'm so deeply grateful to you for Thank being you. part of this. I'm wondering if you would tell our listeners and I'll obviously I'll put this in the show notes and everything, but I'll tell, tell everybody where they can maybe find you online or interact with you, how, how you best want them to kind of know about your whole world. Uh, I am on Instagram, Diva Trovato. Um, spelled just the way it sounds it's an italian word t-r-o-v-a-t-o -O. it's my nickname my dad came up with me is diva trovato um <laughs> for me i'm on twitter michelle trovato um i'm on facebook i have a, a facebook artist page so it's facebook.com forward slash michelle trovato soprano mm -hmm. and then i'm on youtube youtube.com forward slash diva trovato which i got i did before they put the cutoff for <laughs> yes. so it's an old page um that hopefully i'll have some new stuff to add to in the next couple of weeks um man fighting for recordings it's a thing it's a whole thing you know <laughs> it's, it's, especially when you're promised them 
Yep. Yep. And you know you're not going to get it because it's a union orchestra. It's one thing. Right. But when it's like, no, you're going to get this. This is part of your deal. And you're like, six months later, like, please. <laughs> a year later, come on. <laughs> right? Right? And yes. like we, documentation is so important to what we do now. It's really how a lot of people interact with us first. It's our calling yes. card, our business card in a lot of ways. And so, oh, when when it's part of the deal and then you're like, just it, like that kind of you're checking in again and again and again and you're like okay at some point this is yeah gonna happen. and I well, know but I there are composers that are saying the same thing to yeah. me so I'm, I'm like if, I'm working on it <laughs> yeah do you get this I don't know if this happens to you Megan but it, I don't think it's a coincidence that often right after I've posted a video I suddenly get an email oh, with some yeah. sort of offer see I like that. That's Especially if it's a good video. Yeah, putting it out in the world. Like, yeah, there's something exactly about it. Where it. People go like, oh yeah, Michelle. It just, it's just like putting your name right back in front of them at the right moment. Yeah. You know, you, yep. you never know when that moment's going to be. Yeah. But having, you know, some really good video content is yep. very, right. very useful. Right. And I always just say, you want to be at the, you want to be on people's radar regularly mm -hmm. enough so they, when they think, soprano they think michelle <laughs> like when they think, right you know when they're thinking that you know donizetti they're thinking michelle right and that's yes that thank you it's like right so <laughs> so when when you're thinking about that it's like for all of us we're just kind of trying to make sure that the things that we're putting out into the world are showing up maybe consistently enough that we stay on people's minds and they attach what we want to them, right? That kind of like, yes. well, yeah, of course, whenever you think new music, I want you to think about me, right? That kind of thing. Like, we're all in this. This is our, this is our thing. So that kind of stuff, I think you're so right. And then when you do, I love that you get that positive reinforcement with like, oh, and an opportunity showed up. That's great. Yeah, it doesn't always hit me right away. We're like, wow, they really wrote to me out of the blue. And I was like, wait, two days ago, <laughs> I just posted a video. And I don't think that's a coincidence because I don't post videos that often, right. you know? I mean, it just depends, Yeah. you know? But um, but yeah, it, it really, um, and it also, well, you know, you have to be really circumspect with these things, right? Yeah. So you really want to make sure that what you're putting out there is you at your best. Yep. And sometimes that doesn't happen, yep. but the more control you have over it, the better. Right. Yep. Um, so yeah, when you're, when you're really proud of a performance, I mean, I try to, I really, I record everything at least on my phone now yeah. because of the number of times where something has happened mysteriously to the video. And at least I have something, Yep. you know, mm -hmm. because you see, okay, such and such opera company is doing let's say Anna Bolena yeah. and I have a recording, right. a live recording of me doing it. Yep. You know, I can splice that at least for my phone and say, listen, it's just an iPhone recording. Yep. Right. This is what I have right now. It's just what I happen to have. Cause sometimes we don't have the time to make a studio yeah. recording of everything. And I don't really like them anyway, but, right. um, uh, you can at least send that and yeah. that oftentimes can get you that live audition, yeah. which is like key. Right. You know? Right. Oh, totally. I think, and you make such a good point because, you know, even, I think there were times in my life where I was like, well, I don't have the resources in my life to have fancy equipment to make this thing and do all that. And I was like, the point is just start just like, yeah. even whatever you have right now, use that, make your documentation, 
And then hopefully you're going to find yourself in situations where there are people with equipment or you're going to find more resources to make those things, but you do whatever you can with whatever you have at the moment. Don't stop yourself just because, well, somebody else has like, you know, a music video level quality of their, like, don't, don't, don't stop yourself. Just make sure that it's a documentation of you being at your best, however you can get that right now. And then just keep adding to that as you go. So, because there's so many, there's so many ways that people can get bummed out because, because there's a lot of like kind of, um, costs, their cost barriers in our field. And I, I just want people to know that at, at the same time, like it's okay. Just, just do what you can. You don't have to, you don't have to tell yourself that there are more cost barriers than what you have access to right now. So right. whatever you have, make it, put it out there, make sure exactly. that you're doing what you can and then, and then keep going. That's what I'm telling a lot of, I have some students who are sort of like feeling like overwhelmed by like okay I need this audition package and what is that going to be and I don't feel like I have enough pieces ready and I'm trying to tell them right now try to go for three or four it doesn't have to be five yeah I don't think it has to be five for most opera companies anyway really five and six is like for competitions and then there are the specifics of requirements but if you have three or four and maybe that fourth one is a crossover piece but guess what Lots of opera companies are doing crossover. Yes. So many companies are doing sound of music like right now. Yes. Right. Yes. As an example. Yeah. So if you have three arias that are really strong in a crossover piece, yeah. a lot of pe- that could be your English for right now. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And then you can build towards something else. Yeah. But <clears throat> don't let the fact that you don't have five mm-hmm. stop you. Don't let the fact that you don't even have four arias yeah. stop you. Yep. Get three. Three feels really doable to me yeah do you know what I mean yeah right work towards three but you got I mean obviously you got to start with one yeah right work towards three so you we always I think like juggle three balls we can juggle right almost anyone can juggle three balls for at least a couple seconds yeah Yeah, once we start to get more is where it starts to feel like overwhelming Right. right but just have one that you're working on one that you're working towards and then you know you're it's it's coming it's coming Yep. You know, give yourself some deadlines yep. and work on those deadlines with your teacher so that you're both goal oriented. Yeah. You know, the deadline is I'm going to be ready to work on this with a pianist. Mm-hmm. That's a really good deadline to have. I'm going to do this by the end of August. Yep. Mm-hmm. This aria is going to be ready to work on a pianist. And even if that first time with the pianist crashes and burns, I'm going to record it. Yep. I'm going to listen back to the mistakes. And when I get back to it, I will have co- corrected most or all of those things. Yeah. Work with somebody who is going to be kind, help you through your you, the trouble musical or vocal areas. You know, be really, really smart about who you work with and um, and how your personalities go together. Yeah. That's a whole other conversation. But that alone, <laughs> I mean, that's like point. a whole hour right there, <laughs> right? But that alone, really finding kind people who will tell you like it is yeah. but with kindness yep. is huge yeah so so incredibly valuable so I love that and Michelle I love that about about the way that you are in the world like you were saying that you're that you are pursuing your musical work and the way that you are a creative artist in this world and you also are such a committed teacher and I just love how those things go hand in hand for you because you're passing that on you're passing information on you're being a kind of mentor that you've 
you've experienced such a positive relationship that way. So thank, thank you. you for all of that work. Thank you for the just the ways that you are in the world. And I really deeply appreciate you being a part of studio class today. Thank you. And, you know, toy, toy, toy with all of your performances that are coming up. And like that, like we said, those are all going to be in the show notes. So the last thing that we say here is uh, stay sparkly inside and out. And so Michelle, if you'd like to give us a stay sparkly inside and out before we go, and then I'll, and then we'll <laughs> stay sparkly inside and out. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this masterclass episode on studio class. Hey, before you go, do you have a second? Will you take a screenshot of this episode and share it to Instagram with your takeaways? You can tag me there at Mezzoinen. That's M-E-Z-Z-O-I-H-N-E-N. It makes a huge difference when you share this podcast with your friends. Or even strangers, really. So, with that in mind, I hope you'll rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening!